Ron Baker, director of the Canadian Small Church Ministry Centre, sponsored by Small Church Connections here in Canada. And this is us, Canadian uh, Small Churches in Action. And it's a podcast that we do. And today, our visitor with us is actually someone that I have visited for with for many, many years. Uh, we might even get into some of that, how far back that goes. But I'm just going to let uh, Wayne introduce himself and give his name, a little bit of his ministry journey, and uh, we'll work on, we'll go on from there. Take it away, Wayne. Okay, thanks, Ron. Uh, great to be with you today. Uh, yes, Ron and I have known each other for a long, long time. Yes. Uh, for years, and probably either of us wants to admit, but uh, I grew up at Kinnersley, Saskatchewan area uh, on a farm there, and my plan was to be a farmer uh, mm -hmm. that was what my intentions were and uh, started out on that journey you were also uh, going to be a curler weren't you i think i i was and i still am uh good yes, probably didn't uh, succeed quite as much in that as would have liked but uh, otherwise <laughs> it still carries on as exercise in the winter for sure uh, yeah, so I, I grew up uh, starting out in a very small church in the hamlet of Glidden, Saskatchewan, so ah. in, uh, Kindersley there in a, a little Baptist church that was pastored by some uh, of the profs from the Full Gospel Bible Institute, Neston. and uh, and went there until that closed in uh, when I was about 12 years old, I think, and then we moved into the Alliance Church in Kindersley. Uh, I mention all these things just because it, it's had an impact on my life. Uh, I, I grew up in smaller churches and never realized that there was anything different or that there was anything wrong with that. And there isn't anything wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about that more today. Um, as I continued on in the church in Kindersley there, Ron was actually our youth pastor, my wife and I, when we were of that age. Uh, although he probably didn't see as much as me as as my wife, uh, Stacy, uh, yeah. and probably Ron is quite surprised that I ended up being a pastor. But uh, nevertheless, God does amazing things. And, yes, uh, moves in mysterious ways, Wayne. He does. Uh, so my <laughs> wife and I, uh, when we got married, we were pretty young, but uh, we were very involved in the church at that time, led the youth group and so on. And uh, somewhere along that line... Uh, the senior pastor, our, our youth pastor had left and we were having a hard time finding somebody to come. And he said to me, Wayne, uh, you're just farming. You're not doing anything all winter anyway. Why don't you uh, come on staff? Which wasn't exactly true, but uh, yeah, yeah. a little bit true. So I did uh, with with the agreement of the board. I was also on the board of elders at that time. And I said they would have to approve 100% um, for that to happen. And they did. So that's, we started out doing that role, um, doing some administration stuff and continuing on with youth. And then in about a year's time, he left. Uh, and I was it, kind of left to run um, the administration of the church uh, while farming still and helping to fill pulpit supply and those sorts of things. And during that time, uh, people in the church and people coming in to speak would start to say to me, I would lead the services all the time. And they started to say to me, Wayne, have you guys ever considered that maybe um, God wants you to do this full time? And so 
I said, no, uh, <laughs> which wasn't exactly true, uh, because in the back of my mind uh, for many years, I kind of one of the things that kept me um, from fully committing to saying yes to Jesus was the fear that maybe he would call me to be a pastor. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, but we began to search and seek God's will and direction and eventually came to the conclusion that, yes, we did believe he wanted us to, to follow into full-time vocational ministry. And I say that because all ministry is important in God's eyes, whether we're full-time vocational ministers or whether we're ministering as lay people in our, in our local churches. Uh, so off we went to, uh, to training. I was 28. Uh, we had two small children. My daughter started kindergarten the same time I started theological training in Regina. And uh, during our time there, as we served uh, in the local church that we were a part of right from the beginning there, the last year and a half, I was asked to serve on the Board of Elders there. Uh, that was a larger church uh, from what I had come from in Kindersley, although the Kindersley Church was pretty big back in those days, too. Uh, it started out about 220 when we were there. By the time we left, it was over 450 people on a Sunday morning. And so I was grateful for that experience uh, to see the differences in a larger church setting and the challenges versus a smaller one. Um, and uh, we carried that with us. Uh, graduated in 92, moved to Irma, Alberta, which is a village of about 500 people a church of around 50, maybe a little less when we first came, served there for 11 years um, and loved our time there. Our kids both graduated from high school. Uh, the church grew uh, somewhat, but we felt called to another ministry uh, in Westlock, which is a bigger center, about the size of Kindersley, 5,000-ish. Uh, and um, served there for seven years. Um, for a very specific time and ministry, we felt. And then, as Ron said, God moves in mysterious ways. We felt <laughs> we were being called back to Irma. And uh, I mentioned to our district uh, leadership that we were wondering about that. And they said, well, let us think about it. It's kind of a very unusual thing, they said, when they came back to me. That it is unusual, but you know what? God does unusual stuff all the time. So why would we ever stand in, in his way? And so came back to Irma in 2010, fall, served for 10 and a half years before I retired here. And we still live here, uh, still a part of this church, although we're hardly ever there because I'm speaking a lot on the road. Um, but that's been our vocational ministry. And uh, through that time, developed a heart and passion for small churches. And we'll get into that probably more as, as Ron asks some questions. Along yeah, the way. I'm going to get right into that. So your passion for small churches, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, as I, I was in Westlock, I, um, I took a, a leadership course called Crest Leadership Thing, which is for older, you know, more mature, middle-aged people as, as we look at the life at the end. And as I began to evaluate my life in ministry, um, I realized how much I was shaped by some of the things that happened in some of the small churches that I'd been a part of. And, and one of those things that stuck out to me was um, when I was in Kindersley and when our youth pastor had left, I was on the board of elders and uh, we had 
you know, some people come to candidate a couple of different uh, people for the position of youth pastor. And we all liked them and thought that they liked everything. But their response was when we asked them to come was this place is just too small for us. And I remember how hurt I was by that, thinking, why is it too small? Like, what's insignificant about this place? And and then different things along uh, through my ministry. Even while I was here in Irma, things were going well. Um, I kept uh, getting calls from our district office uh, saying, hey, there's this place here that's looking for a new pastor. Would you consider going there? And there were always bigger places. And I... I just didn't feel like I wanted to move or that God was wanting us to move. Um, and I was content with where we were and what we were doing and felt like it was a valuable uh, place in ministry. And so at one point, somebody uh, actually said to me, Wayne, you're, you're being wasted in a smaller church. And I said, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think, God views it that way. Um, and that just began to multiply in my mind that there are no small places in God's uh, economy, if you want to put it that way. And so then I began to think and see that often small churches were seen just as a stepping stone uh, by many, many in ministry and especially in often in our denominational uh, leaderships in in different churches uh, that it was a place to go and get your feet wet and then move on to something bigger and better and more important um, or it was a place to go at the end of your career just to kind of ride out your years into to retirement and that, both of those things bothered me and both of them uh, didn't seem right to me uh, in the first place uh, being in a small church as a solo pastor is no picnic. Uh, you have to be able to do everything. And uh, you can't specialize in what your gifts are. Um, whereas in a large multi-staff situation, if you're a youth person, you can work with youth. If you're a seniors person, you can work with seniors or whatever the case might be. In a solo place, in a small place, you do everything uh, or part of that. And... Um, so it's not that easy in, in one way, and it's not just a stepping stone. It, it's a ministry, um, and it can be a lifetime ministry. And so through that and through the Crest uh, thing, I actually started talking with um, one of my denominational leaders, and he got me together with two other pastors who also were talking about the need to do something for small churches uh, Paul Warnock, who's been on your yeah. podcast, I know, and Andy Weeb, I'm not sure if he has or not, but yeah. um, along and with Tim, Tim, Tim Beadle. Tim Beadle's Tim been Beadle. on as well, yeah, we've talked with yeah, him. Yeah, Tim Beadle um, was the denominational guy, and uh, through that conversation, we started an organization called Real Church Pastors Network, and um, went around to um, rural churches in particular, uh, and ministered to pastors, and our whole philosophy was we're here to learn from one another. We weren't the experts coming in, but it was how to how to build dialogue and to encourage one another, uh, help each other in the challenges we were facing, uh, and so on. And so that's that's Ron has been a part of that and uh, as well. So, so 
Let, let's let's talk about the significant church, the small church. Um, and you you've been part of mentoring pastors, and you've heard some stories. What type of things would you talk about uh, as small church being significant? Some of the stories that you could maybe give that that you've heard along the way. Well, I think first of all, uh, we always talk about the fact, uh, you know, when you look at Jesus's ministry, it was mostly rural. <laughs> Uh, much of his time was spent in the small places, um, and I and I and I mentioned my time in Regina and uh, bigger church there. Um, one of the things that we dis I discovered there and I've known ever since is that big churches have to work very hard at trying to attain what small churches have naturally, and that's a sense of community and belonging and uh, being known. Uh, small, you know, big churches have have to work at small group idea and all of that and trying to connect people in a small church. That's just the way it is. Uh, you you be, you're able to know everyone and be known and, and feel like you're being cared for and looked after, or at least hopefully that's taking place. And so uh, in many ways, um, that's that's. Part of God's plan, I think, is uh, that we need that intimacy. And I guess for me personally, one of the reasons why I felt like I, I wasn't being called to a larger uh, church leadership place. And when I was in Westlock, that church was had grown significantly while we were there in those seven years. And it was stretching me and my personality. And, and I think part of that was my roots in the small <laughs> setting. I wasn't able to know everybody anymore, and that really bothered me. Um, and yes, you can only have so many real close friends and all of that, but for me, not being able to necessarily know people by name when they came to church on Sunday morning, uh, that, that upset me, <laughs> and I couldn't handle it. Uh, and so uh, I knew for me, my sweet spot was in a smaller, smaller setting uh, where I could know everyone uh, a little bit more personally at least mm -hmm. and i and i think for many people that that is an issue um but the flip side of that uh, and one of the challenges for people coming into small churches is that everybody does know you and everybody <laughs> knows exactly where you live and what you do and, uh, both inside your your work your ministry and outside your outside life uh the fishbowl um syndrome if you want uh, you know and and that that's a hard thing if you're not used to it in a real small setting uh, even in a small church in a in a bigger place everybody within the church at least knows you and and your wife and your family and all of that whereas i've been in some large churches um i wouldn't be able to tell you who the pastor's wife is uh on a sunday morning right or who their family are or any of those kinds of things where in most of our smaller churches, everybody knows uh, who's connected to who yeah. uh, and so on. Um, but one of the things that I, I think is significant uh, in small churches, and it's it's also a double-sided sword uh, in that um, your, your youth and your young people can be involved in actual ministry. Um, you know, you, they don't have to go through tryouts to, to play in a worship band or, or uh, to be able to help with Sunday school or children's church or BBS. Uh, they can be involved in ministry and, and be trained and, and develop leadership skills and so on. 
The flip side is that is often, especially in rural settings, when they graduate from high school, they often take off to to go to school and so on. And and there's that discouragement of, oh, man, they were just really getting good at doing this and, and helping and being involved. Uh, and off they go. And so one of the things that flipped the switch for me was uh, rather than being discouraged at losing these people, uh, think of it as we're we're developing and training future leaders for other places to be a blessing to them um, and to multiply the kingdom of God. Uh, it's all about his kingdom, not just our own local church setting. And um, so one of the things I've tried to with talking with um, pastors that are new to a smaller church setting is to really highlight that of, you know, see yourself as a as a training place uh, because you are going to lose some of these younger people when they're done uh, school and so on. But that's, that's okay. Uh, the kingdom has, isn't going to lose. The kingdom is going to grow and expand because of your investment into their lives um, and, and so on. Uh, so that's one of the things um, I guess uh, in another sense, the significance of the smaller church, um, when you look at uh, here in Irma, uh, our church, I think when we left to go to Westlock, probably averaged between 65 and 70 people on a Sunday morning in a community of 500 people. Uh, there's not very many churches in the city of Edmonton that could boast more than 10% of the population or the city of Calgary or Saskatoon or wherever you want to go. Um, no, that's, you know, not neither here nor there in, in one sense, but it, it, it is important to realize that you can have a, a huge impact in your community because of the sheer um, percentage that you can, you can accumulate in a, in a small place. No, we may never grow to be a church of a thousand people, but, you know, a, a church of a hundred people in this community is a, a mega church. In a yeah. sense. Uh, and so uh, you have to look at it in a, in a different light, I guess, on not just the sheer numbers, but when you start looking at percentages and that sort of thing. Um, and then simply to remember that every person uh, is important to God and the numbers are, uh, the sheer numbers aren't the, the main thing. Jesus died for each and every one uh, who's a part of our community. And there are people here who still don't know Christ that need to know him. And um, um, we have a job to do. We are called to make disciples uh, until Jesus comes again. So there is significance. Now let's, let's, let's get back to uh, uh, the personal experience that you've had being a second time around in a small church. Uh, you you said you were advised or, you know, you needed to look carefully before coming yes. back. Mm -hmm. What what can you talk to us about that type of a, a, a ministry, I guess you'd call it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, I would say make sure that you are sensing that it's God calling you there and you're not going just for nostalgia's sake, uh, because it will be different than the first time you were there. And Ron, you, you've experienced that too, but your yeah. time was much bigger gap between than mine. Um, so I, I mean, I know Stacy and I, when we came, we came with our eyes wide open. We knew it would be different. People changed. We had changed. Um, 
And even though, you know, in smaller places, people say nothing ever changes. That's not true. <laughs> it does. Uh, people change. Uh, there was new people in the community. Um, and you have to remember that you're the one that moved away. And therefore, your people that you were closest with before, uh, they've developed new friendships. They've developed new ministries. They've developed new things. Things have changed. And it's not going to be exactly the same. But on the other hand, you have you have history and relationship. And so um, you can quickly move back into to that and and begin to um, impact in a, in a new and different way. And for us, certainly it was different. Our kids had graduated from school here. They were no longer with us here. So you you didn't have that connection to the school and we had to work at finding new ways to connect out into our community uh, as well as, as in the church. Mm -hmm. There were new people in the church. There was new leadership in the church uh, to, to some degree. Some were the, still the same, uh, which, by the way, that makes me think of a, a seminar I'd been, gone to at a Billy Graham crusade by an older fellow, I can't remember his name, that was from North Dakota, I think, or South Dakota, one or the other, who had been in the same church for 42 years. Uh, and his advice was always be nice to the children and the teenagers because one day they're going to be your deacons and elders. So <laughs> that's my same advice because yeah. I had that happen here. Uh, but yeah, it was different. Um, and uh, but it was still good. It was just good in a different way. And the other thing I think along with that is um, don't expect um, don't expect it to be the same as it was uh, in terms of the things that you will do and the way that you will impact people's lives uh, might be significantly different the second time. Um, and I think that was true for us uh, in, in many ways. Um, the first time around, uh, children's ministry was a huge thing here. This time when we came, we were in a cycle where there was more teenagers and older kids and um, the new cycle was just starting with the young kids. And now at the end of our time, there was a whack of new kids again and so on. So much or more of my ministry this time was devoted to trying to uh, disciple adults to, to do leadership in a new way. And um, yeah, so it was very different, but, uh, we love both of our times here. Um, but I think by the end I was tired and with when COVID hit, uh, as I talked with our leadership, um, and as you know, COVID was coming to an end, we started talking about what do we want our church to look like when this is done? And of course, everybody's wanting, well, we want to get back to what we were. And I said, you know, I don't think that's good enough anymore. <laughs> Um, I don't think we're, we're being as effective and as fruitful as God would have us to be. But then I realized, but I don't have a fresh vision for what that will look like or the energy maybe to lead us into a new way. And so I decided it's probably time for me to let someone else come in who's God's given a new uh, vision and, and fresh vision for this place. So that's why uh, bowed out. So uh, let me, we're actually about at the end, Wayne. Right. I can't believe we're we're here already. Yeah. But let me let me just take a question a little bit different than what I may have 
mentioned to you originally, but in in looking at this, a small church pastor, someone who's looking to have someone succeed them in their in their ministry, is there one piece of advice that you would give to that person uh, as they as or or what would be your plan or thought as you're looking as a small church pastor in the whole matter of succession? Well, the first thing I would say is try to finish as well as you can. Um, don't go out on a sour note um, and don't over overstay your welcome. I think in both of the cases of us leaving Irma the first time in Westlock uh, as well, uh, there were people who, well, a lot of people who really didn't want us to leave, didn't think we were done there yet. And that was hard, um, but we also felt we were being called to something new. Um, we weren't just being called away. We were being called to something specific. And, and then um, I, I guess for me, I was trying to be very mindful of preparing the leadership, the boards, to make sure that there were people in place that I felt would be responsible in, in hearing God's voice well and choosing the next person. Uh, in the setting here in Irma, uh, we actually had a, a fellow that they ended up hiring who was a part of our congregation who had been a pastor um, in another church in our community and, and had left there being tired, um, who was younger. And I actually had toyed with the idea of approaching him to, to come on staff with me in a part-time way, and I would go part-time, but felt like that probably wasn't the best way you know, for me just to step out altogether. But I did kind of plant the seeds uh, for that <laughs> in the minds of the leadership, um, I guess, subtly. And um, that's what eventually happened. And I'm, I'm excited for that. I think it was mm -hmm. a good thing. So, But I, I think the, the best thing that you can do in terms of helping to, to make the succession go well is end as well as you can on yeah. a positive note. Um, and uh, don't burn bridges. Um, I, I had someone else comment to me, uh, a layperson in another church, boy, I don't know if we have any pastors we'd want to back, have back in the second time. And I thought, oh, that's, that's really sad. That's unfortunate, yeah. Yeah, it's really sad because, um, yeah, if you finish well, why wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Wayne, we're, we're going to finish well right now. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. But thank you very much for joining us Welcome. today. This has been great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.